the reason I was told that I would never walk again was because my spinal cord was a complete sever. My spinal cord was in two. I even saw the x-rays. There is, there's supposed to be no, no, no connecting point, like no point for the nurse to transfer. Mm-hmm. Yet I can pedal a bike. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing sit stands with my, my therapists, my, my um, physios and all that stuff, and they're progressing. Now, is that something physical or something mental? I wonder what you mean when you use the word I. Use the word I. Take a break. We have an aversion to ourselves and to what's happening inside us. Inside us. I've been very interested in this problem for a long, long time. Something settles. Today I'm joined by an amazing dude called Matt Karuna. Uh, Matt is a paraplegic and he actually, uh, that happened from a suicide attempt when he was 16. Matt tried to jump off a bridge and take his own life. And as a result, he severed his spine and woke up in hospital, not completing, thankfully, and ever since then has completely changed his mindset and is now a motivational coach and speaker and all round uh, inspiring to say the least type of person. He was very existential. That's one of the things I really took out of this interview is just how curious about the world and where he fit in. Uh, he was from such a young age and it really um, was toxic for him. It eroded at his sense of self-worth, particularly in his early teens, uh, which led him to develop quite a deep depression and anxiety. And since his injury, since his attempt to take his life, he has completely shifted his relationship to himself and the world and devotes his waking hours to helping people live from their heart, follow their true calling and challenge their belief systems. And one of the takeouts for me personally from the interview was, you know, trying to understand from him what it's like to lose your ability to walk and how do you accept that and come to terms with that. And his response, as you'll hear in this interview, is... um, I will walk again. I don't think I have accepted it because I just know and believe that I walk again to the, to the point where doctors are calling him delusional. But now he, after being in a wheelchair for many years, is back on a bike pedaling and slowly rebuilding into walking. So he's just a tremendous guy and he is doing great work and has used his pain and transformed it into meaning He couldn't be more happy. He couldn't be more healthy, doesn't um, want to change anything. And I I think it's a really amazing narrative and story for those that are in a dark place and um, have lost hope, particularly young people. Matt is the type of guy that you can look at as an archetype and a role model for what it is to transform your state of being and how you don't necessarily have to pay the price 
that Matt did, even though Matt sees the price that he paid as something that has enabled him to live his full life. But he wants other people to know before they get into that dark well that life has a plan for you and that you'll be okay. There are some uh, trigger warnings here where we do talk um, about his attempt to take his own life. So if you aren't in a good headspace right now, maybe wait until you are before you listen to the episode or maybe listen to it with someone or go slowly and take breaks. As always, go slow, go strong, one day at a time. We're all on the journey. So without further ado, introducing Matt. Look at you, bro. Look at those cannons. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> You've been, been working out a lot? Yeah, yeah. I've been um, trying to trying to go every day for a while, but then I'm also trying to manage, uh, I suppose, my energy level at the same time. Yeah. So, well, I'm, but, but I'm going every day as a mindset game, not a physical game. I, I believe um, it will strengthen me more mentally than it will physically. As Although in the discipline? Yeah, the discipline, but also the mental resilience and I believe, personal, my personal belief, we create our own um, own barriers and our own fatigues. So if, I, um, if I'm exhausted and I'm able to get over myself and go to the gym, that means more than the day that I feel like it, if you ask me. True. I don't know. That's just, yeah, the way I perceive things. <laughs> well, question then, at what point is it unhealthy to push yourself again and drive yourself into exhaustion. How do you know when it's, no, I've got more in the chamber, I can juice this a bit more versus now I'm just delusional and pushing myself into a hole? It becomes pushing yourself into a hole when you're seeing obviously physical drawbacks, which I'm, I'm, I personally am blessed I haven't received. Although I, although I have been taking days off here and there because I maybe I can't manage to fit in the gym throughout my day. I didn't um, make time for it sort of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's... um. It, it, it has been almost almost every single day for about, oh, I don't know how many months now. But I, I first thought about it about a year ago. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think most people are struggling with going enough versus going too much. So to your <laughs> point, I think we could all do with a dose of showing up and doing it when you don't feel like it anyway. And then some people who are on the other side of the spectrum could do with the I'm not going to go because that in and of itself is discipline, right? Because if, if your discipline or your goal is to give yourself more self-care and more time, but you keep not giving yourself rest days, that's just as bad as wanting to exercise and not exercising, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I say so. It's um, you need to, how I say it, be careful of your intentions and what you're going for and what you're chasing. I mean, I, I just remember before my injury, just all the insecurities I was trying to, <laughs> I suppose, hide from and show the world I was something else. And really what I was doing was feeding that over and over, over again. Mm. So going every day back then wasn't healthy. But if you have an intention of becoming more mentally strong, I believe it can be beneficial. Obviously, putting boundaries in place where okay if this happens no i can't go anymore for example if um because you know i'm a paraplegic in a wheelchair right so um i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch my skin on my backside if 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 if, if that's a concern i'm not going to the gym there there's no question about it 
and nice. definitely my days that I haven't gone. So, so you have your kind of rules as to when you need to relax another rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait for it. So you mentioned that you are a paraplegic, but you don't strike me as the type of person that that's a big part of your identity. It's just a part of your body, but it doesn't define your life at all, does it? No, God, no. The only reason I brought it up is because I am sitting all day and if my skin on my backside isn't healthy, I've got issues to take care of. Totally. And yeah. Has it always been such a healthy relationship to the um, not being able to walk or has it taken a lot of work and time mentally? It's at, at first was quite a detriment. I mean, like obviously you know how I got my injury. I mean, do you want really to go into that? Is there something like you want to? Yeah. Um, I, just, just curious. Talk me through the 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 pre and then the the post um, losing the ability to walk. So tell me a little bit about your life leading up to that point. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, to brush over my story, I um. Like my story is very much mental health focused. And when it started, when I was 12 years old, questioning myself, my worth, my place on earth, and ultimately labeling myself as worthless, I became severely depressed, anxious, and suicidal, which then meant, which then led me down a road of drugs, dealing, addiction, all that. And to sum up a long story, at 16 years old, I threw myself off a building to attempt suicide. And now, as a result, I have a spinal cord injury. And then afterwards, I was blessed, 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 blessed to have had many turning points. Because I remember waking up in hospital and thinking, you know, I thought I was at rock bottom beforehand. The fact that I'm, I failed at the one thing that I, I intended to do, the only thing I really wanted in life, actually. And I couldn't do that right. How pathetic was I now? So the word is just a statement that I kept thinking to myself over and over and over again. And I never hated myself more. But I was blessed to have these turning points that did eventually lead me to a place where I did become fulfilled, where I now have my mission to instruct, inspire, influence, and impact people's frame of mind for them to improve their lives. So now I'm, a, I'm an international speaker and mindset coach for people. And it's that's what I love. That's what fulfills me. But um, sorry, just on your question again, I, it has flown over my head. Oh, that's okay. Uh, just around like um, the you, the relationship you had to losing your ability to walk in the early stages of that oh, happening. Yeah. So, you know, waking up in hospital, you said your first thought was, you know, you're already feeling worthless. You've attempted to take your own life. And then you're thinking, I couldn't complete that. What's wrong with me? So there sounds like it was not only the self-sabotage, but this whole new work stream that had emerged, which was I need to work out how I'm going to live life now, which I wasn't planning to do, but in a very different way. That would have been a lot. Mm, yeah. And I created a limiting belief at the time. I labeled myself as half a man because I was only able to function with my upper body of, I mean, even though it was weak and, um, and all that. I um, let myself as half a man. And it, I, I, getting out of that was hard. I remember being in hospital and my girlfriend, my ex, Viv, she was there every day 
and she gave me nothing but love and support. And I kept asking her, why are you with me? Why are you with me? And she just continuously gave just unconditional love at the time. And I was very blessed. I've got to say, I had a, um, had a supportive network around me of people who I thought didn't ever care. And getting over that, so just back to the question before I get steered off, getting over that was something, I mean, extremely hard. Thinking, wow, I maybe confined to a wheelchair for the rest of my life, which I don't believe is the case anymore. I've been very blessed. I have, I, I jump on an exercise bike when I go to the gym now. I'm pedaling away, strengthening my legs back up. That's yeah, crazy, have you seen, bro. Have you seen the um the I, I I don't post about it a whole lot, but um I posted a story about it a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I um it's it's progressing, man. Rehab is 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 getting there. It's a bit of a slow journey, but it's definitely strengthening back up. And I do believe I'll be able to walk again one day. But to be to get to the place where having to accept my my the current state that I was in. It, it, it was it was daunting and I, I was I was embarrassed I was scared and yeah didn't were you do angry it. was it was any part of you angry like absolutely, oh my, absolutely. like I can't walk like fuck this not n- not the fact that I can't walk no the fact that I failed oh wow and that that was the reason why I mean I I just constantly thought to myself I mean, day in, day out, every day in hospital. And even when I came home for a little bit, just really hating myself and being angry at myself because mm. I failed. Wow. And I've, I have friends who are um, in, in a wheelchair due to a disability and one friend told me this and it really changed my perspective on a lot of things, uh, life in general. And she said, no one, I wouldn't believe that a disability is bad or negative to my life. Had it not been from, for everyone telling me that it is as in, she's like, my life's great. I love my life being in a wheelchair, you know, has its, constraints and you need to think about things more which is like by no means do I see myself as like thoroughly disadvantaged or whatever because I'm living a very full life it's just that everyone always tells me oh what's it like you know you can't do this you can't do that and she's like well I now start to believe that I am missing out on all these things but you know it never really felt like it do you relate to that at all yeah so how I say this at first, I really did, really, really did. Like, oh, I'm not going to be able to take you to our place because we're upstairs or whatnot. We're not going to be able to go here. Mate, you can't do this, can't do that. And that was at first. But I then met a guy, and I was in rehab. This is something that really stuck with me. I don't talk about it much. But he had been in the chair for 30 plus years. And he brought a frisbee. He came to visit me because... Um, one, I think my rec therapist mentioned my name. He's like, oh, I want to meet him. And he brought a Frisbee. We stayed at the front of Royal Rehab, just tossing this thing around for a while. It was really cool. And one time I'd thrown it and it was way out. <laughs> it went um, like over, like it, into this like this like patch of plants, like o- over a hill. I mean, like <laughs> there was no way we we're getting it. And so Sam, the rec therapist was like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. 
guy's like, I'll go grab it. And he's like, you stay where you are. <laughs> he has a joke, but he was being serious. He literally threw himself out of the chair and he bumped himself down the hill of, of like bark and trees and all that stuff. Got the frisbee, tossed it up and went back into his chair. And I'm there sitting there like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm like, how the hell did you do that? And I, I, I approached him. It's like, Matt, when life happens, we have two options. We can firstly, one, we, we can adapt. Or secondly, we can expect others to adjust. Although if we expect others to adjust, we then limit ourselves. By choosing to adapt, we empower ourselves. And that really stuck with me. Mm. That stuck with me. And so I then began believing, okay, anything is possible. And so it's not right away, but slowly, slowly. While I believe that, yes, external influences definitely play a role in how we think, feel, and act, we create our own beliefs, decisions, and choices. And we, we do all have the power to empower our own beliefs, although it is it takes some work. But do mm. I relate with that? Absolutely, I did at one stage. There are very few things in life that are as final, well, not according to someone like you, which I love, but as final as losing your ability to walk, I would say, you know, one thing that is what indis- undisputable, indisputable, um, is, <laughs> is dying. Um, mm. when you die, that is final. And I would say that grief is one of the hardest emotions to process because of its finality, like nothing you can do will bring that person back. Um, even though losing your legs might not be, um, or your ability to walk might not be final. And I definitely want to hear how you got to a belief, a belief system where you challenged that and was like, no, I'll walk again. Um, but before you had that belief system, how did you deal with the finality of it? Cause that's a hard pill to swallow. That's, you know, acceptance, grief, all these emotions. They're so hard to stomach because we lose our ability to control. How did you adapt and eventually accept where you were? I don't think I ever did. As in, I think I am, well, and I said it while I was in hospital, while I was in rehab, and I still say to a state, and I know for fact I'm going to walk. And doctors and specialists continuously telling me, Matt, you're, you're delusional. Like I actually remember reading a statement and saying that exact phrase. And wow. how do I say it? Um, I, I suppose I'm just really stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> which I am. I actually going to ask my dad. Um, anyways, but um, the reason I was told that I would never walk again was because my spinal cord was a complete sever. My spinal cord was in two. I even saw the x-rays. There is, there's supposed to be no, no, no connecting point, like no point for the nerves to transfer. Mm-hmm. Yet I can pedal a bike. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing stands with my, my therapists, my, my um, physios and all that stuff, and they progressing. Now, is that something physical or something mental? That's mm. where, that, that's where I, I, I start to um, question things. So. That's interesting, man. The acceptance wasn't really part of your healing journey. It was always, 
I'm not accepting this and I'm moving beyond a belief system that this is true. Mm. I, 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 um, now one part I did accept was the wheelchair. I had to accept that because getting by day of the day, I needed to. There's no other way of me getting around. And that was a hard pill to swallow. It definitely was. But then also looking at what positives came out of it. Well, the wheelchair gets me around first. It gives me independence. I'm able to be my own person. I don't need someone pushing me everywhere. I had that in hospital for a month because they didn't trust me having a wheelchair that I could function myself. They didn't, um, that, that was, yeah, that was big. Mm. Big thing to be grateful for. All right. And let's use that example. Cause I'm, I, I'm so interested in your psychology. I think you're, you're an awesome dude and I want to unpick the little golden nuggets in there. So, so we, we're, what I'm getting from you is acceptance isn't your default. Your default is to challenge limiting beliefs and go beyond what people think is possible. I love that. Mm. Then if and when there are things that need to be accepted, so for example, the chair, even if it's not walking, but it's the chair, how did you swallow that? So you looked at the positives. What else happened? Well, I suppose I just put myself back to a place of equilibrium. Well, yes, I, I, I didn't really like being in a wheelchair, especially at first. That was I, like, that was actually quite daunting for me to think. Well, I'm going to be around in <laughs> everyone's bum height. <laughs> like, I, 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 I just didn't like that. But um, it was about recognizing the good that came out of it. And that's basically. Look, I had I had no other option. Hmm. It was either this or stay in bed. And I'd been in bed for months while I was in the hospital and I hated it. But I also believed that that was going to be my life at the same time. It was a weird, like, how do I say, mental process of, like, somewhat being, like, indoctrinated into, like, a system where, like, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> lived that day with nurses taking care of me and doing the stuff that um, I wanted to do. But at the same time, um, so believe, b- believing that was it, but then also wanting to get out at the same time. Because when I went out, I did actually appreciate the, the time being out. Although I had sort of very, very, very dark thoughts when I was up in the chair, especially when I was in hospital. Because I'd failed, I was constantly thinking of ways to go about it again. And um, yeah. How so happy doing- are you? now that you failed i i couldn't be more grateful as a matter of fact that wouldn't change anything in my life because i now mm. believe i firmly firmly believe that i'm the best version of that this could ever be the reason that is is because i am fulfilled i'm no longer depressed anxious or suicidal yeah bad days i'm still i'm still human i get have emotions but i'm not in the same mindset my mindset's completely transformed into this one that's now empowering and it honestly has changed my life and the process I've inspired others. And I've been more grateful to be in the position that I am. Isn't that interesting? And I think people who don't experience mental ill health issues don't 
truly appreciate the gravity of it because what I just heard you say in a not so direct way is that if you were standing on the bridge and someone was to say, you don't need to do this, but and a, and a genie came up to you and the genie said, I'll take your mental health issues away, but the cost is going to be that you won't be able to walk. And what I heard you say just then is you would take that deal every day. Absolutely. Because I, I, I can guarantee you, Mitch, I wouldn't be here anymore. I'd be dead. I know for a fact I, I wouldn't be here anymore. I was so, so, so set in my ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, my way of thinking. Uh, like you probably already tell them, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. And when I had a belief, I, that was a belief. And I, yeah. Anyways, um, nothing can compare to the fulfillment that I have now. The quality of our life is determined by the quality of our emotions. If, yeah. you live a, if you live a fulfilled life, love what you do every day, and if you're connecting with people in, an, in a way that's fulfilling to you, what more could you want in life? Walking? <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, I'd like to walk. Don't get me wrong. I know it will happen, but I wouldn't trade fulfillment for where I'm at. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful statement. Um, what, what is for, can try and describe fulfillment in your words? What does it mean to you? It's a mixture of happiness, contentment, and gratitude. I mm. believe it is we achieve fulfillment and purpose in life to finding what we love and finding a way to contribute to others, to help others. Totally agree. For me, it, I, I, I by chance found speaking. When I found speaking, I, I, I recognized that I loved it. So I kept at it, I kept at it, kept at it. Started coaching people one-on-one worked my way into conferences, universities, corporate, schools, and I became fulfilled, started running my workshops, and I continuously developed what I'm doing, what I love, right? And that's how it, how it came about. How did I find that? Was because I said yes to an opportunity that, that came up. Speaking is not going to be for everyone. It's not going to be everyone's love and passion. God, most people don't even want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. It took me ages to go to on stage and, and do that. But, um, but yeah, it's just about yeah, having new experiences and finding what you love and going all in on it. Totally, bro. And like, it's, it's weird, right, that I think part of what's very fulfilling as well is turning pain into meaning. Absolutely. Then passing you know? that on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Passing on the things that hurt us and, and being in service to others is one of the best ways to get rid of the pain is to make it help someone else absolutely the secret to living is giving right yeah buddy (laughs) totally is man um i want to hear a little bit about what do you think was driving your lack of self-worth as a teenager before the the injury happened why why did you talk so negatively to yourself yeah started when i was 12 so I was brought up and raised Catholic. And so one thing that I heard was everyone will find their purpose through the Bible, through God, everyone in the church. And I, like, while I consider myself Catholic at the time and and religious, I didn't resonate with that. I didn't relate to that. I'm like, what do you mean to book? (laughs) Right. And then in like their their life um, or at school or wherever, I was hearing everyone has a purpose. Everything happens for a reason. Mm. this is when I was in year seven and I was like okay I will, 
What's my reason? What's my purpose? What's the meaning of my life? I didn't have to answer that. It's quite heavy at the time. But I was always a curious person. I always wanted to know why, 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 why. So I asked myself another question. Well, if I was gone and dead, would anything actually be any different around here? Well, I didn't know I was alive. So I asked myself a third question. Was I a valuable part of society? And that's when I had an answer. And I I was 12 years old, had no job, lived at home my parents. And I mean, I mean, value to society, which meant, well, if I was born and dead, it doesn't really mean anything. He would be any different. There would just be more space for someone else who has more meaning and purpose in their life, which then meant for me that my life meant nothing. And I really held on to that. I really held on to that thought because it bothered me. And I labeled myself as worthless as a result. And what bothered me most was I felt this deep inside. I felt worthless. I was upset with myself. I started to hate myself because of it. But everyone else was smiling. Everyone, at least I thought everyone was smiling. Everyone's happy. They must have this stuff figured out. Why am I the only one? And that really got to me. And that was the start of my depression. But I wasn't going to tell anyone. No one in my life just spoke about feeling upset. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my parents, my mates, if, if they felt upset themselves, they would just stay shut off, look down, keep to themselves, and no one would question them. Everyone would say, oh, look, they're just figuring some stuff out. Look, give them some space. You'll be fine. So no one spoke about their feelings and no one spoke about other people's feelings. And so I did the same. I adopted that. At the same time with those feelings and that label of feeling worthless, I started questioning taking my own life. Ways to go about it. How can I do it? Should I do it? All this stuff. It's so interesting because last week we spoke to a gentleman on the podcast. Um, his name's Sean, awesome dude. But you guys share a similar thing. And I think the universe is delivering these stories to us at the moment for a reason, which is at such a remarkably young age, you you were both incredibly existential like questioning your worth and your value and your purpose in life when you're a kid, when, you know, most 12 year olds are running around looking at how many candies they can buy from the news agency or like how many water bombs they can fill up in, in under a minute. Why do you think that you were doing such deep questioning number one and number two, why did you need there to be such a profound value of the answer to that question? So young. Because I kept, because I, I, I was just so curious. I kept asking questions about everything. I always wanted to know why. If everyone's, if, so, and if I was hearing in life, everyone has a purpose, everything happens for a reason. I wanted to know my reason, my purpose, my meaning in my life and why I was here. And mm-hmm. it just, I, I suppose I'm a very logical person and I am. I, and I, 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 I love hearing clarity on things, understanding things intellectually. And at that age, that's curiosity, I suppose, ran me down a rabbit hole. Mm. And I agree with you, 12 years old, particularly 12. I mean, I mean, ideally I aren't thinking those things. And um, well, I mean, I was, but it's something that, sh- I mean, sh- shouldn't, I don't like saying shouldn't because there's nothing should or shouldn't be, it's just reality is the way it is. But, um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, what, what, this is kind of, we'll get to more of the coping strategies and stuff officially at the end, but just while we're on it, I, I, I feel called to ask you 
if some young person out there is in the shoes that you were questioning their self-worth, what would you tell them right now? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. What's, what do you love? And, and because you follow your heart goes beyond just doing what you love. It's, it's a mixture and mixture of things, following your intuition, being true to yourself, being true to other people. If we did what our heart, if we all do what our heart told us to do, what we deeply know is the right thing to do, what's the, what's the truth? God, the world would be a beautiful place. Mm. <laughs> but um, I wasn't being true to my heart back then. I, I back then, what did I love? I loved skating. I loved just going for a ride, doing tricks, nailing new tricks, um, all that stuff. If 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 I followed my heart and just did what I love and DJ and all that stuff, I wouldn't. I've, I I wouldn't have been feeling the way I was feeling. But also on that, by following your heart, recognizing what's true. So people around me actually gave a shit. People cared, right? My parents, my friends, some even some teachers at school. I could have gone to. But my head told me no. While my heart said, you know, maybe someone cares. No, no, no. My mind didn't tell me that. Mm. Everything my heart was telling me, my head was suppressing and mm. fought constantly. Although, although had I kept at what I love and just just did it, I would feel more whole or better. I would be more present in the moment, appreciating what I have and what's in my control rather than thinking about what I don't have, what's out of my control and how lack of meaning that I had. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And for while we're on it, if someone is thinking about taking their life, like you were, imagine someone walking up to the bridge that you stood on, what would you want to hold their hand and whisper in their ear and say? Life has a plan for you. And it's not just about you. It really isn't. And one thing, and like, I'll just share a little story. I got, um, so I was asked to share my, my coaching, what I do with a um, parent group on Facebook yesterday, actually. And I wrote a post. And when I was writing this post, what came up for me at the very end? Cause I'm talking to parents, right? There's a bunch of like, I don't know, like 300 parents that most of these parents I've never met before. But <laughs> what came up was the morning of January 10th. So the day after I had jumped, my parents waking up in their own house and their son isn't home. The son is not home, but they and so they start freaking out. And as and as they're freaking out looking for him, they're asking questions. They're coming up with all these stories in their minds. In that process, they get a call from the police saying their son had just tried to take his own life. And he's in a critical condition. Mm-hmm. I honestly cannot fathom uh, get even picture how that would feel and it i mean i get like just just like the chills just like talking about it 
And um, but there are people that care. Life is a plan for you and people do care. People will be impacted. And I remember waking up in hospital and seeing my parents cry. Not when I first woke up, but just it was just like memories of glimpses of moments that I had my parents in tears. I look at that now and I honestly get emotional, but at the time I I mean I didn't really think much of it. Mm. But yeah. That's good advice. I suppose, I, 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 I suppose, yeah. And going back to following your heart, if someone's on the top of a building, I mean, what does your heart really want? Because in that moment, your head wants that. Your heart does not want that. No. And But obviously, someone in that state is not going to be able to see what you were telling them, that in particular. So I wouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah, earlier. yeah. Well, hopefully that goes in the eardrums and into the heart uh, of someone who needs that right now, of someone who has been there, which you have, and you've lived it. And you're a walking example. Um, And, you know, to play devil's advocate for the person listening who has a very good inner self-critic and going, but I don't love anything and no one loves me. So I can't be like Matt my story is not going to change. What would you say to them? The work instills the worth. Contribute. Give to others. How do you feel then? I think there's a person on earth where if they support someone else, give and contribute, that they feel empty inside afterwards. Yeah. Never. The secret to to living is giving, literally. And I, I, I love that quote. I love that quote. And it's all about the other people in our life. It's about yeah. giving back. Get back, get out of your own way and go serve someone. And also I think to your point is not just if someone says, I don't love anything and no one loves me and saying, well, go be in service and it'll find you. I totally believe that. But there's also another thing where my mom calls this an emotional bitch slap. Uh, she gives them to me occasionally when I need it. And you need someone to call you on your shit, you know? And I think sometimes when we're depressed or whatever and we get stuck in these skeptical, negative, depressive holes and nothing is okay, if someone says no one loves me and I don't love anything, you know what I would say to that as well? Fucking bullshit. Bullshit. That's just the way you want to see it. That's it. And sometimes we need someone to check us on that and be like, hey, 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 that narrative is actually not true and it's not helping you. I'm not going to feed you with it. I'm not going to pander to it and, you know, allow you to believe it more by, by saying, oh, yes, you do. I just be like, no, that's straight up just not true. (laughs) And sometimes when we get that in our face, it shocks us back into realizing what is true, which is yes, we might not love something to the extent that we wish that we could, or yes, that we're not loved by a certain person or peoples to the full extent that we wish that we could. But the absence of that doesn't mean none at all. 
It just means not as much as we would like, but they're two very different things. We've got mm. to work with what we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And in, in a dark place, it's very, very, very hard to see what you love because in your mind, everything's bad. Mm. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. Not agree more. I love that. So, bro, tell me, what are the, th- give, give me three things that have really helped you on your journey the last few years to get to a place of healthy and thriving that you're at? What are three things? Okay. First key step is supportive network. That goes without saying with everyone to have people you can go to, just be open and authentic with. Those relationships are really special and you should definitely hold on to them. But if you feel you don't have anyone, start somewhere close. You have your parents, friends, people close to you, maybe you have a roommate, who knows. But let's say you're not comfortable talking to people in person. Okay, well, there um, are definitely phone services, Lifeline, Kids Helpline, um, the main numbers that we can call anonymous numbers. If you're not comfortable speaking, there's even online chat services. We can speak to a counselor live for free. There are services out there. Somewhere, the, the first step is having a supportive network. Someone you can go to that judges, that doesn't judge you, that keeps the space open for you. Second step for me, I'm a big believer, is how I said before, like doing what you love, find what fulfills you. If you don't know it yet, that's okay. Have new experiences. Find ways to give back to people. I have a friend who is currently feeding the homeless because he's he's stuck in a rut at the moment. And now he's he he's loving that. He <laughs> sent me photos of him with a massive smile on his face because he's giving back. He's putting smiles on other people's faces. That's mm-hmm. making him happy and fulfilled. And the third step, keep at that. Keep doing what you love. And stay true to your heart. You, if you love it, if it's fulfilling, don't stop that. And let's say it's, you, you can't make an income out of it. Just, if, if that is the case, that's fine. Just keep what you love close to you. Do what you got to do to get by, of course, but make sure you're still keeping up and feeling your heart up with what you love. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that living your purpose and doing what you love and being in service is that healing or what? <laughs> does, it get any, does it get any more true than that? Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, what, it's what we all, all desire. So I want to ask you a few questions to finish off if that's okay. Uh, the good. first one, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice you're currently using or that's uh, changed your world, what would it be? Authenticity. Authenticity, Authenticity. Which, go, which goes into following your heart. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, the, the truth, like you hear all the time, the truth will set you free. <laughs> kind of cliche. But the thing about it is the truth always comes up. Truth always comes up. And by living truthfully, we raise our rate of vibration. We feel better about ourselves. Our energy goes up. We naturally do go more to a place of gratitude by living our truth. And it's, I believe, the most optimal way to live. 
being as I can't remember the author the book of the the book the four agreements says it perfectly be impeccable with your word I couldn't put it better myself nice if you could be any animal what would you be hmm <laughs> that's hard that's hard it is <laughs> I mean as much as I love to fly I love to like how I say sneak my way around and be good at hiding at the same time mm. <laughs> yeah I don't know I was about if I to pick though something quite I suppose you're very dominant. Like I, I feel like I, our most powerful asset as humans is our voice, and I, I have such a big mouth, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I feel like if, I, if, if that was the animal, it'd be a lion. Lion, nice. If you could write yourself a permission slip for something, uh, particularly yourself when you were not coping, what would it be? So, Matt like writing to your old self, Matt, I give you permission to. All right. You have permission to do what you love. And so true to yourself and be present. That was a book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle turned my love, life around. So good, eh? I've talked about it so many times, <laughs> but... <laughs> when I actually was able to apply the principles of that book in my life, everything in my life improved. Yeah. Sleep, gratitude, my energy, time, my Being mood, present. everything. Being present. It's so powerful. It's so commonly overlooked because it, it sounds like common sense. Or we're always in the moment. No, sometimes it's not. We're in our heads. Yeah. I who you are. We're every place but here. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. What's something that you've spent less than $50 on recently that has improved your mental health? Hmm. I would say gym, but, uh, that, uh, I just do anyway, but, um, there's some, some books as well. Like the last book I read was the five people you meet in heaven by Mitch Alvin. Hmm, I haven't heard of that. The, it's actually a novel. And um, although it has profound teachings in there. What's, like, what's the teaching you took out of that? Like just straight off the top of your head. So off the top of your head. The first one was to be, uh, how do I say it? More understanding, empathy. Right. And I believe empathy aids people's mental health as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no understand doubt. others and yeah, put ourselves on people's shoes. It's really powerful. Yeah, empathy. Um, all right, so, other people at the same time. <laughs> totally, it's it's a win-win. Um, <laughs> so we got the gym and some books. The five people you meet in heaven. Okay, good. And we're putting together a heart on my sleeve playlist where we get our podcast guests to contribute a song every week, and that people can listen to our our public playlist. So, what's a song that means a lot to you and why? And we'll add it up. Okay. I mean, the first one that comes to mind has to be Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. All right. MJ, first batter up. Love that. <laughs> Is that already on there? I feel like it's No, no, no. Up. It's not. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, oh man, uh, that song, and I, I think I, I've got a story attached to that if you really want yeah, to. Yeah, it hit me, bro. I threw self love. So I was on a, I think, I think I may have told you about it um, last time we met up, but it was that, um, so I did a meditation retreat in 2018. Mm. And this meditation retreat was extremely profound for me. On the fifth day, now we use this thing called Mind Reviews. Now, my movie, what it is, especially a short film, sort of short like clip that you make yourself fill with pictures and pictures, videos, affirmations, and music that all inspires you. Now, there's this one part of my mind movie where it's me with 200 and something students behind me. This is the first school I ever spoke at by myself. This was Glenwood High in 2018 in August, and this and this photo lights me up like. Like, like nothing else, right? And the affirmation was my, my mission statement. I instruct, inspire, influence, and impact people's frame of mind for them to improve their lives. And in the background, the music is Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. And the lyric is, if you want to make a difference in the world, take a look at yourself and make a change. Mm-hmm. And I remember, so there's a meditation on the sixth day where it was a mixture of a, we were watching Kaleidoscope sitting, meditating, watching our mind movie, and at the very end, we lay down. I'll never forget from going from my mind movie to going to the kaleidoscope, then laying down at the very end. Almost straight away when I had it laid down, I, it's like I was taken to this void. It's like black space. There's nothing there. Although I wasn't me. I was my past self before my injury. And then appears Matt, presently meditating a present mat there on the floor laying down meditating i had an out-of-body experience and just this kaleidoscope of a star pops up this that moment in my movie pops up and then i got flashback of my entire life over like a few moments and outbursts i fucking love you matt like i love you matt and just another tears come down my eyes while I can, I, I'm, I'm there meditating uh, in among 750 people in the room, just uh, I was, it was the most, I mean, like how I say it, emotional moment yeah. for me. And I was like, man, I couldn't, I couldn't stop like tearing after that. It was the first moment I ever experienced self-love. And that mm-hmm. song really means a lot to me. It really means a lot to me for that moment, but also for what the song actually um it goes into with the lyrics. I think it's a very, 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 very well-written song. And I, it's, it's one of my favorites of all time. You're a fucking legend, man. I love you. You're the best. Can't wait to grab a beer and a coffee with you. Um, I love you, man. <laughs> dude, this has been man. such a cool chat. I think you're an amazing dude. Oh, th- this isn't a question we usually ask, but I do want to ask you this because the last time I saw you was at Tony Robbins. Uh, we were doing, uh, what was our program called? Oh, UPW. Yeah, UPW, Unleash the Power Within. So what is one piece of Tony Robbins' advice? What's the main piece of Tony Robbins' advice you took away from that session? That took away from that session? Oh, oh. That, so one realization I had was that we have more energy than we probably think we do. Yeah. But the main thing I took away was the six human needs. Because understanding that can be a bit understanding myself and other people. So certainty, uncertainty or variety, significance, loving connection, contribution, and growth. The six human needs. And when I understood that and I looked at my life 
and the things I've done, things I've chosen to do, they're all to fulfill at least one of these needs. And it all made sense. Mm. From feeling the way I felt to the drugs to um, hell, even something like a petty as skipping school, um, stealing stuff from uh, what's it called, supermarkets that I used to do. And um, but it, it like, and then also to this day, speaking, inspiring young people across Australia and internationally to um, coach people one-on-one. It, hell, it, even my Forex trading, uh, acting that I do as well. Like all these things are fulfilling one of these needs. When I understood it, I understood myself and other people at a whole lot, at a, whole, at, a, at a much deeper level. And I'm able to connect the dots now a lot more too. Mm. Bro, you're a powerhouse. You're a beast. I absolutely believe that you will walk again. I mean, you pretty much already are. You're spinning wheels on a cycle bike. And when, uh, before we both are old and gray, we will stroll with a coffee in our hands down the street together, uh, no chair. Yes. Goal, Done. commitment, done, deal? Yeah, my word. That's a boy. I believe it. Every cell in my body. Man, I'm going to send you a video of me a few months ago on a bike. So good, bro. <laughs> Can't wait. And, and you're already there. So, mate, thanks for sharing your time with us today. Um, and if anyone wants to find you on social media, where can they find you? Yep. So on Instagram, my handle is Matt Shares. On Facebook, it's just Matthew Caruana. Or if you want to go to my website, it's www.mattcaruana.com. And so M-A-T-T-C-A-R-U-A-N-A.com. Um, that, that's the best way to get in touch with me. And awesome. yeah, I look forward. Great, man. And, and just to confirm, so the Instagram handle was Matt Shares, as in S-H-A-E-R-E-S. Yeah. 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 Matt shares. Yeah. Yeah. One word. Perfect. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Much love. Much love, man. Thank you very much.